Hey, welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. This is Justin, along with my cousins Derek and Tyler. Fun show planned for tonight. We got recruiting. Day one of the first ever early signing period is in the books. We'll get into that, and we'll also get into our most intriguing bowl games. But first, we need to talk about John Cook and the Nebraska volleyball team. Nebraska won its fifth national title by beating Florida rather easily in four sets on Saturday night. By the way, this is the same Florida team that beat Nebraska in five sets back in August. So how good of a coach is John Cook? That was his fourth national title. Derek, how much of this volleyball team do you watch in the plays in the postseason? Well, I tried to watch as much of the postseason as as I could, and they made a fan out of me, guys. I'm going to start watching volleyball a lot more. That was fun. I I never thought I would ever get into volleyball, but watching these girls was just amazing. Uh, John Cook with his fourth national championship. He's, He's got one in 2000. 2006, 2015, and now this year. And for a guy who was actually wanting to be a football coach at one time, say he turned into a pretty good volleyball coach. He still does. Tyler, what'd you think? You, you know, it, it was a great ride. And as the game, you know, that the, the best game of the tournament to me was that Penn State game in the Final Four. You know, I've, I've watched a lot of sporting events in my life, and that was one of the most edge-of-the-chair sporting events I've ever seen. And I went into work the next day and I started talking about it and my boss called me over and challenged my manhood a little bit. And (laughs) I frankly don't care because it was enthralling to watch these women compete. Um, You know, this is a team that wasn't supposed to be this. They weren't supposed to be a team that you make the final four, but you know, the, the way they played the effort, uh, the intensity, I, it, it just it was a great ride. It was some of the best uh, sporting that I've watched and easily of the Nebraska last year, probably the best sporting I've seen. Yeah, you're exactly right. That Penn State game right there, that Penn State game should have been the national t- championship game. It had everything you wanted out of a great game. The Florida game, yeah, we did what we needed to do. We just dominated that. But let's let's talk about Nebraska, how they started off the year. They started off the year at 0-2. They lost to Oregon. Uh, and uh, Stanford and uh, or Florida, I'm sorry. And then uh, they lost to Northern Iowa in four sets. Northern Iowa. Then we get into conference play, lose to Wisconsin. Uh, but you know what happened there? We 19 and one, great finish, Derek. You know, you speak of that uh, Wisconsin loss. You want to talk about a dominant team? You know how many sets these girls lost, including the playoffs. Since that Wisconsin game, nine, nine oh, sets, and wow. in, in a total of nineteen matches, they lost nine sets. They went three and zero, oh, most of them. Uh, there are only two. The only, the only, the only match that they lost two sets in was that Penn State game in the playoffs. Every time That's you keep saying that, I keep, I keep thinking of Ferris Bueller nine times. <laughs> <laughs> But, but you know, one, one of the cool things about this run is, is you, you're cementing the career of two of the best Huskers of all time. Not just volleyball players, but best Huskers, period. Uh, you know, Kelly Hunter and Michaela Fuecki. I'm going to butcher her name. But, uh, you know, I don't want to call them the lady Huskers. I don't want to. They're Huskers, and they're two of the best we've ever had come through Lincoln. Yeah. At least that volleyball team. At least they can win some championships for uh, for the rest of uh, 
Husker athletics. Is, is it safe to say that we are now a volleyball school more than football? Yeah. It's, I mean, it appears, it appears that way. Scott Frost is going to turn that around, I'm, though, guys. Let's, let's yeah. not lose hope in the football team just yet. Uh, what's this do for uh, Mr. Moose with the, with the Athletic Director's Cup? That gives him like 60 points right there for winning a national championship, right? He walked into a good thing. I think so. <laughs> He's going to give I-Course a little share of the cup if uh, it turns out. <laughs> oh, you can count hey, you didn't it. fire John Cook. Great job. <laughs> All right, let's get into recruiting. Day one is in the books of the early signing period. I'm not sure how you guys feel about the early signing period and how it's going to go down. Maybe uh, we'll take a look at that down the road. But uh, uh, Tyler, uh, how did Nebraska do on day one? You know, I, I think we did as well as we expected. Um, you know, of the day, I, I you know, I think some Husker fans may be shocked that we didn't end up getting Cameron Brown. Um, you know, he was a four-star. He was committed to Nebraska going into today. But if you followed the kids' recruitment cycle, it's not really a shock. Um, you know, Frost and company didn't even do an in-home visit with him. They had kind of moved on. Uh, but obviously the big get is Adrian Martinez, the quarterback from California. He's probably our best recruit this whole cycle. Number eight dual threat quarterback in the country. He's, you know, the perfect guy to run Scott Frost offense. So the fact that we got him, you know, is going to be a big get down the road. And then I obviously the, the, the biggest, if you want to call it surprise of the day was pulling in Greg Bell, a three-star running, uh, three-star Juco running back, the number three Juco running back in the country. Um, he he goes to school down in Arizona right now. He's a he's a good ball player, um, and with some of our depth concerns at running back uh, under this new system, I think he's going to be a really good fit for the Scott Frost offense. Derek, what do you think about these JUCOs that uh, Scott Frost is landing? I, I guess it's always a good thing. You get a couple players come in with some experience. You don't have to worry about them redshirting usually. Uh, they don't always work out. Sometimes they do. We've had some really good. Juco's come through here that have been really good, and I'm sure there have been a lot of busts that most of us probably don't even really remember. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them that you left out, Tyler, and I know I know this one's not a huge get, but from from seeing his his highlight reel and seeing some of his stats and things that he's done, that Katarian Lagrone, I don't know how to say his first name too well, so I'm sure I butchered that, but he's listed by. Uh, 24-7 as a tight end, but Rivals has him listed as a wide receiver. He's kind of that hybrid tight end. He's six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds. Pretty, pretty, pretty quick for his size. In high school, he played slot receiver, tight end. He actually played the Wildcat quarterback position. Played safety, linebacker. I mean, this kid was all over the field. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think he could be a good get if you could. I don't know that he, you know, he probably won't play both sides of the ball, but if you can move him around that many positions in the offense. I think that's a damn good get. So, you know, you mentioned the tight end right there. Uh, you know, we see that there's like three targets for tight end targets that Scott Frost has now. And you make a good point, Derek. Maybe some of these guys can be hybrids and do it, uh, move around a little bit. But we already have five scholarship tight ends on the roster. Is going after three tight ends, is that really in our best interest, do you think? 
I wouldn't draw it up that way. Um, you, you, I don't know where these kids are on the roster. I don't know what Frost thinks of them. I don't know. You know, when you look down the road, I don't know how committed they are to Nebraska. Now we have a new system. Um, you know, the, obviously we have a tight end already committed this class in Cameron Jurgens. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's a number seven tight end in the country. He's been a long-term commit. He's a Nebraska boy. You know, Frost even alluded to, he, he's a type of kid you can't let leave the state. And he's a good get. I mean, he could become our best tight end day one walking on to that university. And that's saying something. But, you, you know, again, we, we, we signed another tight end today. I know a lot of people think he could go to wide receiver. Um, I think at his size, I, I would be very intrigued to see if he's actually fast enough to get there, but long way to tell a lot of these kids um, aren't even done developing yet. But, um, you know, Derek, you mentioned uh, Katarina, and I'm going to butcher that name. We're going to call him Cat <laughs> going forward. Uh, there you go. But the, 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 guy, the guy is a special player in the regards of, you know, he, he does look for the high point of the ball. He makes good plays. Um, he's an under-the-radar recruit, um, and we've had luck in the past. I mean, his best offer besides Nebraska was South Carolina. Um, I think that was his only other Power 5 offer. Um, yeah, he was an under-radar kid, but, you know, when you looked at his film, he definitely showed he could play. Um, you know, it, it, will be, it will be interesting some of these tight end recruits of what this system is really going to look like. What does it say about the number of walk-ons that Scott Frost is uh, signing right now? And Derek, what do you think about that? Man, there's 13 walk-ons in this class. That's a lot of walk-ons for one year. I, I don't. I'm curious to see. Obviously, you can't get 12, 13 walk-ons every year. That that football team is going to be a 140 man roster. I'm not even sure if that's allowed by NCAA. Is it? Do you guys know? I, I don't, but it's it's interesting because, I mean, a lot of these kids are preferred. That means they've been offered a walk-on spot as opposed to mm-hmm. some of the kids in the past where they go on and try out at campus and eventually get a spot. I mean, I mean these are almost – they're not scholarships, but these are being recruits. They're recruiting the walk-ons, which is really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about recruiting needs real quick. Uh, we see what we're targeting right now. What do you, in your mind, what do you think that Scott Frost and Nebraska, what do they need to recruit right now? Where are we hurting the most as far as position groups? Tyler. You know, I, I think there's a few. I, I think you, you look at the last two coaches, I think the depth on this roster is not great. Uh, but if I had to pick one, I think you're looking at defensive backs. Um, you know, we got a Juku safety, uh, Deontay Williams today. Um, we have CJ Smith, who is a four-star safety currently committed. There's concerns about his academics, and he won't be signing till February. Um, so we'll have a couple months to wait out for there. But both of those guys right now are listed at safeties. I really worry about our cornerbacks. Um, you look at next year, you're going to be going the year with the top three corners being Lamar Jackson, Boodle, and Eric Lee. I think those are all three serviceable cornerbacks, but you know, the fact that last year, the cycle, we only had one commit at corner and that was Elijah blades who never ended up showing up to campus. Uh, I think you're really worried because after those three, your next two top corners are Avery Anderson and Stovall who neither of them so far have shown much. Now maybe a new staff gets something out of those guys, uh, especially in regards to Avery Anderson. He was a pretty high recruit, but I think you look at that cornerback position as a whole and, 
there there is a lot of depth lacking there and not much in the pipeline. Derek, what do you think? Oh, man, I got about four or five of them written down. But if I had to go with my top one, I would probably go with running back. And I think that Greg Bell is a pretty good get. And I, I don't, I don't want to downplay him. But, our, you know, we talk about depth at wide receiver, and we do lack depth there. And we do probably need a few, one or two more wide receivers in this class. But I'd like to see some more running backs because Mikhail Wilbon just hasn't shown him much. Trey Bryant, I don't know if he could stay healthy. Uh, Divina Zigbo, I, I, I don't see where he fits this system very well. He's not the speedy, shifty guy like what Frost seems to like to use. I, I would like to see some quick running backs come in. I don't know if we have that on our roster right now, outside of maybe this bell. Tyler. Derek, you know, you took one of my top ones, and I, I, I almost thought about just throwing it out there because I don't think a lot of people are looking at that. Um, you, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, that is a position that you, we could wake up next year, really wondering what we're going to have going on. And I like Greg Bell. Um, I think he's a good player, but I, I really, that, that was a position. The last coaching staff wasn't recruiting. And I really wouldn't mind them seeing, trying to get a freshman in this class. Cause you know, even, even if the Will Bonds and, uh, Zigbos can end up playing, you look at two years from now that that's going to be lacking. And if Greg Bell has to play this year, I mean, you you could be walking in with a really weak roster, uh, especially in that depth down two years from now. Well, in all fairness, you know, Scott Frost, he's been doing this for two weeks. He made the moves that he had to make, but, you know, he said it himself. There's a lot of work to do. Once January comes around, it's, it's going to be balls to the floor recruiting. Get half the class in and see what you can get. Maybe some of those guys do... Uh, pick up maybe we do get that freshman running back that you're looking for i would like to see more wide receivers we've been talking all year the depth at wide receivers just been piss poor and so you know maybe these tight end slash hybrid wide receivers i don't know if that's in the plan per se as far as receiver but we need to get some real speedy guys i think and and a pass rusher all right with this three four defense, we need a pass rusher. Do we have that on the? Do we have that right now? Not really. And ah. that, that was another one of my head written down too. Uh, so, but let me ask you this: with the wide receivers, how many more do you want? I mean, like I said, I, I don't know if you want to count Legron as a tight end slash wide receiver. We can just leave him out. But we got Jerome Woodyard and Justin McGriff both as wide receivers. So, in your opinion, how many more do we need in this class? I think we need two. I don't know if we're going to get two more, but I, I really do. I think with the loss of Keyshawn Johnson Jr., um, yeah, obviously he never played it down, but I think he was a recruit. When you look at last year, um, that that leaves two, uh, you know, two scholarship wide receivers on the roster that were true freshmen. J.D. Spielman's young. I mean, you're you're going to be going into next year with our four, what four scholarship wide receivers on the roster? Five. If uh, Keon Williams stays, um, he, I mean, he has to stay. He, he can't transfer again. He just got here. I, I again. So I mean, you're looking at a very lack of depth, and they ran a lot of four wide formations. We we had issues with that. I, I really do. I think you really need to go out there and probably bring in a four wide receiver recruiting class this cycle. Well, yeah. there, there's always the worry of Stanley Morgan trying to jump ship and go pro early. Or maybe a Spielman or a Lindsay trying to transfer. 
there's always that worry too. So I mean, I I, I would say we still need a couple of receivers too. You're right. You know, you, you guys mentioned pass rushers, and, and you might be right there. I mean, this year we didn't see a lot, but we got Tate Wildman. Um, we, still, he's young. We have some good young guys. I'm actually more concerned about our middle linebackers. Um, you look at next year, we're going into the year with Young and uh, Barry as our top two. Then you're looking at Avery Roberts being our third best linebacker, and he didn't show much this year. And then you're looking at Drew Ward as our fourth, who redshirted this year. He wasn't exactly the most highest regarded recruit. And I don't know who's left at inside backer. I, I, I know we are pushing for Will Hannes yeah. uh, right now, a really good Juco. I think he would be a great addition because we have a depth issue at middle linebacker. But my number two position, I look at that middle backer and I'm saying, and we really could use a couple more young guys in there because you're going to be looking at Young being a senior this year and he's done. I mean, I think you really need to look at driving another middle backer. Yeah, you're right. That Hone is getting cold feet there at the end because of that offer from Wisconsin. That kind of, you know, maybe he's not the biggest recruit, but that's a body that we desperately need. Derek? I, I think you could just label it as linebackers, period. I, I kind of wrote down linebackers, period. You know, you got uh, David Alston, who's been kind of known. He might be a linebacker, might be defensive end. They, uh, 24-7 has him listed as a defensive end. But that cat linebacker, we didn't have one last year that was serviceable. So, I mean, you want to talk about needing a position. That, the outside linebackers, I think, are in just as much trouble as the the inside linebackers. Yeah, I, I think Stilly was okay. And I think that, I, I don't know, I think there's some good, I don't know, I think Wildman will translate more to that cat linebacker position. I, I think we're, I think we got some young guys there that can actually play ball. Well, we got two more days of, uh, Recruiting, uh, we'll see how this pans out. I'm just somebody answer this question for me. Why are there three days to this early signing period? Why? I don't know. I I think part of it has to do with the fact that the JUCOs actually have like a is it like a week or almost a two week span where they can sign, and so I think they just kind of yeah. wanted to give the high school kids maybe a little bit of an option too. Well, let me JUCOs they have to sign by. The what's what's the over under on Nebraska signing for signing any more players for in the next two days? I I think one I, Justin McGriff hasn't signed yet. He's expected to sign on Friday um, at one p.m. I, I think obviously we're looking at signing him. I, I think and the other guy I think Will Hannes is going to go. I think if it's not, I, I think in the next two days. I know some people think he's going to back off on that Wisconsin offer to try to do a visit. I don't know if Wisconsin's a true player. I think he's actually contemplating Nebraska-Iowa. Um, we got in on him late. Iowa was in on him a long ways. Obviously, this kid, you know, everything you hear about him, he's a bright kid. So, obviously, he knows better to ever live and move to Iowa City, uh, a hellhole of the United States. I mean, I think, I think we have a good shot at still pulling him out before the signing period's over. We already well, lost so. that. We already lost that Dallas Creedith to uh, Iowa today. We can't lose Honus too. God. Yeah. yeah. You can't lose twice to Iowa. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have some happier news or more happy news next week when we get together. Uh, let's talk about the most intriguing bowl games. Bowl games that are hot and heavy right now. One's going on tonight. Probably not looking pretty good right now for SMU. But uh, as you guys. Major picks in the Husker Cuzcast 
bull pick on, on ESPN.com. Uh, what bull game stood out to you as the most intriguing? Uh, Tyler, let's, let's do a round robin here. Tyler, go first. It, you know, my, my number one bull game, I, I'm going to throw out the college football playoff. You guys may go there. Um, I, I don't even consider those bull games. That's the playoff. It's completely different. But but so I'm going to leave those out. But my number one bowl game uh, that I'm intrigued by is UCF Auburn. Mm-hmm. And obviously the intrigue is because Scott Frost. Um, that's a huge part. But if you throw that outside, if there was an eight-team playoff, I believe both of these two teams would be in. This is just as good as a playoff game, in my opinion. Um, I, I'm really excited to see two teams that I think are amongst the top eight in the country really compete and uh, see what they can do. Well, there, there's an intriguing storyline going on in here with the running back for UCF, that Adrian Killens Jr., where he went on and he was kind of blasting the speed of the SEC and kind of <laughs> throwing some shade about him that they that Auburn hasn't seen as much speed as they're about to see. Yeah, that that was really entertaining and i think auburn what are they nine and a half point favorites right now i believe so Uh, tyler you are absolutely batshit crazy right now how in the world would you think that auburn would be a playoff team if there was eight teams there are three losses they didn't win their conference there's no way they're a playoff team i was willing to let that go ucf maybe be a playoff team auburn no damn way they were third going into the SEC title game in the country. I, I mean, I would argue that they would have been, I think they, I, I might be wrong, but I believe they finished in the top eight in the college football playoff. I think they actually would have been the playoff. I think UCF, if this actually happened, would be the team that got left out. Um, but I think if there was really 18 playoff, I think both these teams would have had a strong case to make it in. All right, Derek, give me your... All right. Well, obviously, the the committee didn't know too much what they were talking about if they put Alabama in the playoff with that weak-ass schedule. Uh, You know, I kind of tried to look outside a box here a little bit, but one of the games that really kind of intrigued me, this is more just uh, contrasting of styles, was Michigan State and Washington State. You know, you got the Big Ten power football great defense against the air raid and and Washington yeah. State's actually got pretty good defense this year but I that game intrigues me it's just I it's good I think it'll be a fun game to watch what, what's gonna hold up defense or that air raid offense Tyler what do you think about that game I, I had that game down too I think you know those are two teams that I had relatively low expectations going into the year. They both overperformed, um, you know, in regards to the season, they both ended as top 20 teams. Um, at one point and the other, both of them were top 10 teams throughout the year. I think they both performed very well. And I think whoever were to win this game could really put a cap into a pretty nice season. Uh, you know, obviously this isn't a college football play, but that's a game I'm definitely looking forward to checking out. I'm kind of looking forward to this Wisconsin-Miami game. Uh, basically, it's like the two most disrespected top teams of college football battling it out. You know you know the storyline with Wisconsin all year long. They just, even that being undefeated, they weren't getting any respect. They, uh, Miami was the same way. And after they lost their game uh, to a 
uh, pretty good pit team, right? Uh, is that, that's who they lost to, right? Oh. Yes. Yeah, pit. Anyway, here they are, and the, the timing of like that a, loss was just bad for them, though. Last game of you're the right, season. Yeah. yeah, and the way it shook out, but. So Miami lost a lot. Wisconsin lost a lot. So seeing these two guys, and I really want to see Wisconsin kind of redeem their season in a way by getting a big win over Miami. That's kind of that's, that's gonna be oh. pretty tough considering it's a it's an it's a home game for Miami. Shocker! They don't travel for bowl games. Not when they're playing no, they in don't. their own stadium. No, they don't. I, guys, another game that I'm definitely look forward to watching is Michigan and South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you look at what this season was for both those teams. I think South Carolina over exceeded expectations. They got a little bit of momentum. They actually had a surprisingly good eight and four season. Michigan had a disappointing eight and four season. And this is a rematch of the 2013 Outback Bowl. Um, if for people that don't remember that game, that's the game that uh, Javion Clowney absolutely destroyed the Michigan and back, uh, popped his helmet off and. It was a dominating hit. That was a really good game last time they played. Um, you know, Harbaugh is it's it's not the, the prettiest situation right now in Michigan for how much he's making. A bull loss here would be really bad for him in Michigan right now. Yeah. Clowney was the one that made beheading cool again, you know? <laughs> All right, Derek. How about the USC Ohio State game? You know, the Rose Bowl's getting moved to the Cotton Bowl this year. Pac-12 champion versus Big Ten champion. Yeah, I think this is going to be a real fun game. I think. Do you guys think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game? Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't know what the over-under is on this game, but I'd it's, it's going to be... I'd probably bet the over. Yeah. I, I think this game could be... You'd rival last year's Rose Bowl game. Um, which was USC versus Penn State. I think these are two teams that, you know, the, again, going back to the, what I said about the UCF Auburn, I think if there was an 18 playoff, these would have probably been the other two teams, I think, that would have made it um, or should have made it. You know, I, I think this is going to be a really great game back and forth. Uh, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to that. What do you guys think about the Washington Penn State game? Should be an interesting I mean, matchup a little bit. I mean, you look at two teams that have top 20 offenses, top 10 defenses. Um, TCU, me and you, Derek, we rode that TCU bandwagon a lot <laughs> this year. Uh, yeah, it, did, it didn't pay off thanks to those damn Sooners, but uh, we predicted them a lot all the way throughout the season. And, we, uh, did, we did. I, 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 I actually really, wrote that I, one down, too. I, I think that's going to be a good one. TCU-Stanford. Is that where you're going with this? Yeah, that's where I was going with that. I yes, I, I jumped <laughs> the gun, jumping over there. I no, I I was just I, I'm agreeing with you. I, I think that's gonna be a fun one to watch too. I I think that one's gonna be another contrasting styles. You know, you got Stanford, who really kind of plays more like Big Ten power football. Usually, pretty strong defense. Although their defense wasn't as good as it was in years past, and TCU just with that fast pace quick offense. I think the reason I find some of these intriguing is it's going to be kind of fun to see how these bigger schools, especially like your Michigan State-Washington game, it's going to be fun to see how they react to these 
fast-paced offenses to see if maybe Frost can actually do this in the Big Ten or if he's going to have to have him change his offense around a little bit. Right. Go ahead, Tyler. I, I got two more games that are completely under the radar I want to throw out there. Texas-Missouri. Okay, this is a game you're looking at, an old-school Big 12 matchup uh, in the Texas Bowl. Um, you know, Texas, Tom we'll Herman is not the Another team that never travels. Another team that never travels. Uh, you know, a team that in Texas that definitely in Tom Herman's first year was not the greatest success. Missouri's offense, uh, you know, they, they just lost their offensive coordinator. They had a really good offense this year. Uh, that will be intriguing. And the other one is Southern Miss for Florida State. Um, and I think this game is intriguing just because I think if a team like Southern Miss can get a bowl victory against Florida State, even after a down Florida State team, that's a key victory for the school. And in, a, in these bowl games where a lot of kids don't have emotion, I guarantee you Southern Miss is going to come out and actually play a big is that, game. Is that really a uh, great matchup? I mean, let's, let's put it this way. Florida State needed to reschedule another Patsy at the end of the year just to be bowl eligible. Otherwise, they wouldn't be bowling. And, I, and they and, lost and their And yet they're still 22.5-point favorites over Southern Miss. Yeah, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that as an intriguing matchup at all. I, I get it. I think Florida State's a heavy favorite, but you look at what went on there. I think they're a more talented team. But, again, I think well, of course Southern it's Miss— Florida State. Well, it's Southern Miss, and and I'm going into a bowl game, and I'm a Southern Miss fan because those kids are playing like this is their national championship because that that would be a huge victory, and we've seen this in the past with the Boise State's beating Oklahoma um, years ago. I mean, this isn't the matchup, but whenever you see these small schools play the big powerhouse, there's usually some special things that happen. All right. Uh, before we get into the playoff teams, talk about them a little bit. Derek, do you have any other games that you want to mention? Uh, maybe Texas Tech sent our South Florida game. That could be intriguing. That that could be like 150 points scored. <laughs> that could. <laughs> yeah, that could. Uh, but, well, let's get into the playoffs here. Thank God that the playoff games are no longer on New Year's Eve. That was just bad marketing by the NCAA and the college football playoff, putting games on there. So uh, these games are December 30th, but uh, let's get into this first one here. Alabama and Clemson. Derek, what do you think of this one? Oh, I'm tired of the rematch. I don't think Alabama should be in there, but it is mm-hmm. what it is. I'm sure it'll turn out to be a good game. It always does. I mean, they're, they're, they're two good teams. You can't take anything away from either one of them. I, 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 this, this was a tough one to pick. I can't tell you that much. Well, we'll make our picks for the playoff next year, next week, next year. Uh, yeah, next year. Right. <laughs> we'll wait until we'll after. Uh, <laughs> so we so no, finally come right. You know that 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 is a great game. Um, you know, Derek, you you might be a little sick of the rematch, but those last two times they played were absolute classics. I, if we get another game like that, my New Year's Day is going to be a pretty fun day to watch football. Yeah. Uh, Georgia, Oklahoma, Tyler. You know, Baker Mayfield coming off the Heisman victory, you know, there, there's the old stereotype about Heisman uh, quarterbacks in big bowl games. How do they show up? I, I'll be curious because 
you know, the Bulldogs, you know, they, they may be one of the most underrated teams in the country, even though they made the playoff. People are not talking about them. Uh, you know, their one loss was on the road at Auburn. Um, they beat Notre Dame on the road. They're a damn good team. But the Sooners, I mean, Lincoln Riley, what he's done there is remarkable. Uh, I think that's going to be another really fun game. I think we're in for two really great college football playoff games. Derek. This is the only time in my life I feel sick to my stomach because I have to root for Oklahoma and Clemson. Uh, <laughs> like, really? These are the two teams I have to root for? I can't root for no damn SEC team. Come on. I want to see a play. I want to see the, the national championship end up being no SEC. Zero. Zilch. Get them the hell out of here. Uh, Oklahoma-Georgia, this is going to be a fun game. This, this is the playoff game I'm looking forward to. More than the other. I, it's hard to tell how this game's going to go. You know, uh, how's Baker Mayfield going to perform? Seems like every time a guy wins a Heisman, he just seems to fold when it comes to these big games at the end of the year. Yeah. I, uh, but, Derek, how, how excited are we going to be when we get a watch in all SEC national championship? Oh, I'll boycott it like I did last time it happened. Yeah, but this time at least they, this time at least they both would have won games to get in. True. Yeah. Well, I well at least they have at least they haven't played each other earlier in the year either. At least it wouldn't be a rematch from like two That's weeks true. ago. Well, I misspoke earlier. I said these uh, the playoff games were on December thirtieth. They're actually on J- January first. But how weird is it that this year January first ends it? four bowl games until we get to the national title. Usually there's the little stragglers that come in on January 2nd, 3rd, and a little bit later. But January 1st, if you have plans with family, you better break it because there's no more college football until the playoff game. So I think yeah. it's a good thing. Because usually by after January 1st, I'm footballed out for I – don't, I don't tend to care, care how those small games go, like the 3rd and the 4th. Because it usually ends up being like some random – SMU versus Louisiana Tech kind of game. Nobody's ever going to believe that you ever get footballed out because I know on January 2nd you'll be watching reruns of the past Nebraska game. So, <laughs> Tyler. Guys, I want to I ask this one last question. So, with all these bowl games going on, do you guys think there are too many bowl games? Yes. Absolutely. Look, there's, there's 40, what, 40 bowl games total, right? There's 41 if you count the national championship game. And we could find, we were struggling to find 10 intriguing bowl games to to mention. (laughs) Come on, man. I mean, well, if you know, in the the past, they've had to change the rules and let five and seven teams in Mike Riley's first season. Uh, It's, it's gotten so bad that we just put losing teams into the bowl games because we got too many slots. Guys, I actually completely disagree, and and, and I, I get it that making a bowl is no longer really an accomplishment, but I'll tell you, I don't hate the fact unless that there's you're too Mike much Riley. Unless, it's, unless you're Mike Riley, but I don't ever complain because there's too much college football on. That, that That's nothing I'm ever like, yeah, you know what, there's just too much of it. Let these small schools get their moment in the sun, let them make a bowl game. If you don't want to watch the games, don't, but... Man, I, I'll tell you, I was watching a little bit of that Florida Atlantic uh, game last night. What an ass whooping. 
it was an ass whooping, but yet I watched it. And, and, Lane and, and that shows for, the disease. Lane Kiffin going for two when he was up by like 38 points. What is the deal with that? His response after the game, my bad. <laughs> I, I thought it was it. a close game. I didn't know. I'm going to derail a Husker conversation and all this stuff, but is it just me or is Lane Kiffin becoming more likable each year? He is. I mean, he's... He's, he's, he's great. I, I'm i not going to say that I would want him at Nebraska, but I wouldn't be crying if he was, you know, if we didn't get Scott Frost. But he's entertaining. He's he's good. And he's obviously a good football coach. The, what he did at Florida Atlantic, taking a team that went 3-9 and nine the previous three years and going 10-3 and three his first season, that is impressive. Even if it is just at Florida Atlantic in the uh, Conference uh, USA, but... So how many he years did. does he stay at Florida Atlantic now that he signed this 10-year contract? We all know he's not going to stay there probably for 10 years, but you think he's there for two, three more years, or you think maybe a little longer since he's got that long of a contract and a fairly big buyout? Well, you know, that, that whole thing is just interesting. I, Derek, I think he will be. I mean, you look at the jobs that got filled this year, um, Florida, Florida State, um, yeah, I'm not going to go down all the ones, but I mean, how many high profile jobs could potentially open next year that he wouldn't consider? I mean, USC ain't taking him back. Uh, you know, you look at schools like Texas and Bama, they're probably good on coaches. Um, I, I don't know what school would even be interesting to him to leave for right now, but I, I, that 10 year move, I think you're going to see a lot of these smaller schools start going to that. Um, I think they're getting tired of getting their coaches poached and not getting anything in return. So I think that's going to be a new trend in college football. Yeah, at the bare minimum, you know, Lane Kiffin will make it rain for Florida Atlantic. If somebody comes to poach him away, it's probably a mutual agreement. Hey, you sign me for 10. If somebody comes to poach me, you're making bank. And that that's I'm curious to see what that buyout clause is when they release the contract details. Yeah, I really don't know. I don't think that Florida Atlantic has the deep pocketbooks to uh, be paying them big money. I think, what, do you think maybe two, two and a half million is about what they could afford right now? Probably. I mean, I would assume so. And, and, yeah. and for Lane Kiffin, I, I mean, it's it's almost shocking that you would sign a 10-year contract because if you're Lane Kiffin, you got to believe he eventually wants to get back to a big program. And all that contract's doing is hindering him doing that but he's got job security and that's that's one thing i guess you can't take away from the guy yeah tennessee could turn into a dumpster fire at any minute again you never know he could still have a great point they still haven't put out that fire man (laughs) (laughs) all right let's get out of here uh merry christmas to all uh we'll be back after christmas uh be sure to like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at cuss Husker Cuzcast. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Make sure you check out Husker Hype for all the latest in recruiting and Husker football and basketball and everything. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week to talk more recruiting, and uh, we'll make our picks for the playoff games next week. So stay tuned. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.
You say bye-bye so long, see you later, take it easy, be cool, hang loose.